Thanks for joining us for the latest episode in SIFMA's podcast series. I'm Joe Seidel, SIFMA Chief Operating Officer, and we're here today to talk about the 2020 supervisory scenarios for the annual stress test recently published by the Federal Reserve. In particular, about what changes were made around the global market shock element, but also where there remains room for improvement. I'm joined by my colleague, Corey Ann Stephenson, Managing Director and Head of Prudential Capital and Liquidity Policy here at SIFMA. Corey, before we dig into the changes we saw and didn't see this year, briefly recap the concerns SIFMA has previously raised related to the global market shock, or GMS, and its negative impact on the capital markets. Sure, Joe. As you may recall, last uh, August, uh, we uh, produced a white paper where we took a really in-depth look at the construct of the global market shock and the large counterparty default uh, components of CCAR. And as part of that, we came up with what we say 10 broad recommendations and 10 broad issues. Our, Our issues really were around what we thought was the overly uh, punitive nature of the GMS and many of the assumptions regarding calibration and correlation that um, underlie the approach. We also had a number of concerns that talked about the volatility of the different factors, uh, levels of transparency, an understanding of how the Fed actually determines what is sufficiently plausible when they come to size their um, factor shocks. And then, I guess, lastly, uh, there was an overall concern about uh, the transparency of the entire process. So how do they judge what's sufficiently conservative but still plausible? And what changes then did the Fed make uh, to address some of these concerns? So we had a little bit of good news earlier in the year when they changed some of the instructions as to how to deal with the deductions, which we had brought up, capital deductions. That was outside of um, this GMS. But looking through the scenario that they put forth this year, we did see some additional transparency describing some of the assumptions when they think about calibration. And that really there were the primary conversation was around this idea that the most liquid assets were deemed to be calibrated at three months, whereas the less liquid could be anywhere from six months to a year. And when I say the more liquid, we're talking about U.S. Treasuries, we're talking about FX, equity markets, things that I think historically you're able to see you know, sort of a once in a 10 day kind of movement is really pushing, is is probably where the historical type of, you know, most negative scenario is. Let's turn then to what's left undone, uh, particularly regarding the severity of calibration and correlation assumptions that support the GMS component and the use of the GMS to drive the large counterparty default component. Right. So you're right. The the global market shocks are used two different ways. One is to mark the book, um, to indicate or to to promote losses on the book. It's also used as a way to um, write down or deal with the large counterparty default. So you're going to use those same global factor shocks to recreate a large counterparty default, the impact on those Um, transactions as well as the impact on the collateral. What um, we continue to push on, um, and while we completely understand that we're trying to have a 
conservatively based uh, forward-looking stress test, we think that the level of severity is undue in the GMS and even over time. I'd say that this year um, was less benign than in some of the other years, but I wouldn't say it across every asset class. Where we have the most concern, though, is this idea, and I just mentioned it earlier, that four asset classes that even during the crisis had price volatility, they still had the depth of markets to be able to transact and the capacity of the market to handle those types of transactions. So we are concerned when the Fed thinks it's reasonable to calibrate those to a three-month type of price loss. And then turning to correlation, the uh, enhanced disclosure did not discuss or rationalize the embedded correlation assumptions underlying the 2020 GMS factor shocks. However, it appears there is little linkage between asset class shocks despite the asset class's liquidity. Why is this a problem? We've had a number of concerns with their correlation assumptions. The easiest way to think about their correlation assumption is basically um, at the same time, all markets go south. Is it plausible to actually believe that all markets would go south at exactly the same time? But I'd take it a fact uh, a step further and say there are some markets where there is um, a correlation that if one market goes up, the other has to go down. And that's like FX is a great example. Um, again, they're trying to be uh, make this a stress test, but just assuming that all markets go south at the same time is just a very difficult premise to support. And it ends up in a really conservative um, and costly uh, outcome for the banking organizations, right? Because you have to capitalize based on the results of these stress tests. Okay. And then, then what is your overall assessment in terms of, uh, of this year's test? Uh, better, worse, or uh, no real change? I think you saw um, some more reasonable, given previous years where they've set global market shocks, I think this year was, again, a little bit less benign. That said, you still had an equity move that was a 30% rise. Um, you still have the correlations where pretty much all markets go south at exactly the same time. But I think comparison to other years, it was not as severe. I think there's still a lot of work to do. One of the areas where I'd really like to partner with the Fed and, and to create more research is to support this idea of liquidity in certain markets, um, that we truly believe that certain markets, regardless of disruption, continue, especially U.S. capital markets, continue to show um, strength in the face of disruption. Terrific. Well, thank you very much today. Uh, clearly more work to be done. And thanks to those listening today also. To learn more about SIFMA's work in, related to CCAR, the global market shock, and overall in the prudential policy and regulatory space, please visit us at SIFMA.org. Thank you.